Well, thank you for tuning in. This is Matt Santos of the Mile High Show, and uh, you are listening to episode number 252. I'm going to get right into it because this is... uh, this is a show I was really excited to record. I enjoyed the conversation immensely. I hope you will, too. Uh, it is with p- local playwright Mickey Shelton. Now, um, Mickey and I, oddly enough, over the years have never crossed paths until about a week ago. Through the course of events, we have many mutual friends. Many past guests on this show have worked with Mickey uh, over the years, and uh, I just happened to, kind of, okay, let me tell you what happened. Uh, at the Raven Cafe, the Raven Cafe is a place we've recorded many, many times over the years. They have uh, instituted one of the, the real gems of the local entertainment scene, an open mic, a, a kind of a free-for-all talent show. They used to do it the third Thursday of every month. It was called the Third Thursday Spectacular Pre-COVID, where basically anything went poetry readings uh live painting they did a little bit of everything comedy music of course and what set that apart was there's a lot of open mics in the prescott area but they're pretty much all music and there's nowhere to go up for open mic for spoken word and things of that nature third thursday spectacular years ago was that venue that was that uh option for those of us that don't play instruments well recently the uh, good folks at the Raven, along with the TBD folks, Zinni and Brandon and those guys, the TBD show. It's a YouTube channel. They do live shows. They do films. They do a ton of creative content, uh, m- most of it comedy-based, but a lot of it involving music and, and acting and skits and things. Real, real creative guys. Several weeks ago, they started this every other Wednesday, so twice a month, talent night. So I showed up. I did a little bit of stand-up over there. And when I got there before the show, it was pretty crowded, and a woman came up and says, hey, do you mind if can I share your table? Flash forward, it turns out it was Mickey. I'd never met her before, and she was there to meet another friend of mine, Joanna Doddard, who I worked with at the, at the local paper here for a number of years. And they were meeting to discuss the promotion of La Posada, which is Mickey Shelton's latest play. It will be performed starting October 6th for consecutive weekends at the Elks Theater here in Prescott. They were meeting to discuss that, so they went upstairs and had their meeting, and then after they were done, they came down, and Mickey and I started talking. I said, hey, let's do a podcast to promote your show and uh, for me to get to know you a little bit better, and that's what is this week's show. Uh, La Posada, the stage play, is where you can find out her information on Facebook. MickeyShelton.com is where you can find out about all of Mickey's productions. Also at MickeyShelton.com and at La Posada, the stage play uh, on Facebook is where you can find a link to where you, the listener, can support the show directly through either direct donations to Mickey and her organization or through their GoFundMe page, GoFundMe page. So I've got links to both of those in the show notes. Please check them out. There is no donation too small. Hey, coincidentally, there's also no donation too big. So dig deep. And Mickey talks about that a little bit during this podcast about the 
importance of live performance, the importance of supporting local art scenes. And one of the greatest supporters of that, of course, the artists themselves, like Mickey, but also the local businesses that in turn support the local artists. And one of those local business persons is Barry Barb, who owns a few different restaurants here in the Prescott area, uh, including where we recorded this episode. We sat down in the patio, the beautiful patio at Torme. I, I got, after we, after we recorded, I got the seared tuna salad. It was fantastic. Uh, Mickey got a pasta dish with shrimp that looked, oh, it looked delicious. So I think I'm going to try that next time I go back. Anyway, Torme, uh, and also his longstanding, Barry's longstanding restaurant, El Gato Azul, right off the square. Fantastic outlets for local artists to display their art and per- perform. El Gato's always got music in the patio, including many of our former guests here, uh, Don Cheek, um, uh, Drew Hall, many others. So uh, Barry also uh, hosts the Prescott Palette on local radio, talking about local restaurants and the art scenes and things of that nature. He has Greenway catering and events. So, But we sat in Torme, and that's where in the patio there, it was beautiful, watching those monsoon clouds roll in, a nice cool breeze. We recorded this episode and then had a great lunch afterwards. And then Barry... He was there for a meeting, so he strolled over after him and Mickey were talking. And I, I've met Barry a few times over the years. Don't know him well. Don't think he remembered me, but uh, we have met several times. And Barry, aside from being a supporter of the local art scene and the local creative scene, he supports the community as a whole through scholarships and fundraisers and myriad other things. So anytime there's an event, a cause a, a uh, fundraiser in the Prescott Quad Cities area, you know Barry's involved in some way because he gives back so much to the community. So it was great talking with him even for a few minutes. Uh, so uh, support his venues, including an upcoming fundraiser for La Posada at, uh, at Torme that's going to be coming up in several weeks. So follow uh, MickeyShelton.com and uh, La Posada, the stage play on Facebook, to find out about that event. Barry will be hosting that for Mickey. Uh, it was just a great time. So sit back, enjoy, find out how you could support not just La Posada, but the local art scene in general, um, just by taking in the art. Um, So sit back and enjoy it. Uh, This show, as always, is brought to you by Bully Dog Coffee Company and my friend and neighbor Patrick Bowler, founder, owner, and top dog at Bully Dog Coffee Company. He roasts beans right here in the Prescott Quad City area, specifically in Chino Valley, right around the corner from my house. And uh, his, his coffee is fantastic, but above and beyond that, He takes a huge portion of his proceeds and puts it back into the community by helping fund and support local canine rescue groups, specifically pit bull rescue groups. Bully Dog Coffee Company, our big, bold flavors, will satisfy your big, bold hearts. So support local, small local businesses, support local artists, and hey, 
Support small independent podcasts like the Mile High Show. MileHighShow.com. Use that Amazon link. Gives us a little kickback. Anytime you order something, doesn't cost you any extra, but Amazon gives us a little taste. Let's us wet our beak a little bit whenever you buy anything online. Use that Amazon link. It allows us to drive around and interview interesting people like Mickey Shelton and buy her lunch at fantastic restaurants like Torme and uh, and helps me drink lots of coffee from Bully Dog Coffee Company. Sit back, enjoy Mickey Shelton, creator, uh, writer, playwright, and uh, and uh, presenter of La Posada at Elks Theater in October. Yeah. I think I told you that. And um, I, I have a few um, audios of his jokes and such. Now, now where, do you detail, where did he perform? He was part of a duo? He, uh, yes, the McFadden Brothers. That's my last name. Yeah. Um, they had their own nightclub in New Jersey. In Jersey. Pretty yeah. much the mafia raced them out of town. <laughs> that's where I was going to go with the yeah, next question. That's it. That's it. He lost his club. It was very, you know, very sad. Oh, he moved man. to Arizona for the safety of the family, I'm sure. And uh, he knew a lot of Italian people in Phoenix. Yeah. And he was there from the time I was eight until he passed away. He passed away at yeah. 76. Oh, wow. But he played, um, he and his brother. Uh, were the McFadden brothers. They played a bit until his brother drank himself to death. Mm. And um, then that was hard because in those days you didn't have a single guitar player playing somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So he taught himself to play the piano and played in pizza parlors before they had video games. Yeah, but it didn't earn much. And uh, finally, the last 15 years of his life, he got a steady gig at Crazy Ed's, in Phoenix? In Phoenix, and he was uh, able to support himself. Oh, nice. But nice. just barely. That, uh, so when was he in Jersey? What years would that have been? We moved from New Jersey in 1953 or four. So sure. late 40s, early 50s. Oh, yeah. They had a stronghold on every bit, they being the, yeah. uh, the syndicate, as they were. <laughs> well, yep, they set him up. Yeah. Yep. So. What a what a tragedy for I mean even even you know going back and all all I know is from you know the biographies and movies yeah, and yeah. books and things but the way they grabbed hold of whatever they could make money mm-hmm. off of whether it be you know the vendors providing the the linens and the trucking and up to the biggest entertainers and where you, I hate to because it was obviously a different a different vibe and a different uh, yeah. dynamic but it's very brings to mind like the here we're sitting in a in a beautiful independently owned restaurant right and how do how do these type of businesses last when the big conglomerates and that's right. what the mob was back then the yeah. big conglomerate right. that needed to have a piece of everything that's really sad but uh yeah well let's tell folks where we are torme right Tell me a little bit about why you chose this restaurant. Oh, well, Barry Barb is, to me, he walks on water. Yeah. He does everything for everybody in Prescott. 
uh, always has. He's been a primary supporter back, I guess, in the first days when I met him, it was with Arizona Classical Theater. Uh And for a while, I was the president of the board, and we would want to have a fundraiser somewhere. Of course, Barry was our first person. This was back in, like, 2002 on. And uh, so he's just always been there for everybody during um, COVID. He turned his restaurant basically into a place to feed people that didn't have money or food. And um, he, you know, I I wasn't intimately involved with it, but he's the first person to step up for any need in town. Any need, any event, Mm -hmm. and uh, does a lot of focus in on the independent artists, like the musicians we were talking about, like yourself putting out a a play uh one of your many um let's dive right into it tell uh tell folks let's right off the bat where folks can find out about you about your projects current past and future sure web social media everything you got let's put that out first oh that's wonderful well i have a website uh www.mickyshelton.com it's m-i-c-k-i-s-h-e-l-t-o-n.com and on that site uh there's a page called here's what's new yeah and on that page you can find out all about my current project and the other projects because i keep the ones uh sort of in archives on there some so we were talking i believe before i push record about uh uh some old radio interviews with uh right andrew johnson smith and dj phone yes that's right and uh goodness tiffany anton who uh was here in town for a long time uh, she interviewed me, Sandy Moss, a couple of times. Some links to some great uh, uh, newspaper articles on past plays. Specifically, the one I was looking at was, I'm going to butcher. I have to do my notes because my brain doesn't work. <laughs> Fred and Mary, what was the full title of that play? Fred and Mary, colon, an unconventional romance. An unconventional romance. And, uh, um, for Hopi Observer, I think, was... Uh, it's called the Hopi Tutuvani. Okay. And they did an article on it after our um, our reading at La Posada. Nice. In uh, Winslow. And that brings up the current project that you're right now raising money for. We'll have a link in the show notes and on all our social media posts linking to not just your website that you mentioned, Mickey Shelton, MickeyShelton.com. That's right? it. And But also to the GoFundMe link that you're, right. you're really close to your target. Well, I wouldn't say that. Here, but, um, we have to update the GoFundMe. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so um, basically between the GoFundMe visa donations and checks that came in, we've raised about $8,000. Nice. However, we need 20000 so, um, depending on how you look at it, we need okay. between twelve and fifteen thousand more dollars. Yes, update that because on mm-hmm. the GoFundMe it had a lower target, so I wasn't sure if you were doing it in stages. But yeah. uh, regardless of where you are, in order right. to put on a production, when you're talking about sets, casts, 
costumes, uh, licensing, all of that stuff, mm -hmm. and all the work that goes into promote it in the form of ads and, and getting out there. Right. It can be costly, especially in the time that we're living in with, you know, simple gas prices are, are way up there. Right. So right. Um, get on there, MickeyShelton.com. There's a link to, to uh, do that. Well, there's uh, two other places they can find out Please. about things. If they're on Facebook, they can go to Mickey Shelton. And I post things all the time about um, how much more money we need to raise and the cast and technical details and things. But the other really good place to go to is a Facebook page called La Posada The Stage Play. And I update who we've cast and uh, details about digital projection and sound and yeah. all of those things. So let, let's get the, the two main plays that I, I've, I've seen was Fred and Mary and La Posada. What's the link there? Uh, well, let's, let's g give me the give me the Reader's Digest version first. Okay. Um, Fred and Mary, An Unconventional Romance, was an idea that came to me after hiking the Grand Canyon from the South Rim to the North Rim. And I found out about a female architect who was working in 1905 for Fred Harvey. The Fred Harvey Company was before Howard Johnson's, mm -hmm. but it was a, a nationwide uh, a group of hotels and restaurants. So I wrote a play called Fred and Mary. Now, Fred and Mary... Fred Harvey and Mary Jane Coulter probably never actually met, <laughs> but I have a lot of mystical uh, aspects that come up in pretty much all my plays. Yeah. And um, I felt that they shared a love for the Southwest. They were both very persnickety. They were perfectionists. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that if they had met, they would have fallen in love. So the, the, this blends in historical facts archives and an alternate history sort absolutely. of gotcha absolutely the what ifs right right yeah. and so in my mind they do live together at the lookout studio at the grand canyon nice. that's where they are so um so when i was writing that play of course i heard about la posada hotel and i knew it was mary jane coulter's favorite building it was um, designed and opened well after Fred Harvey had died. But I also knew Alan Affelt, who was the main restorer mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of La Posada. And La Posada is located where? In Winslow, Winslow Arizona. right in our backyard. Right. Pretty close. So I knew that Alan Affelt um, and Tina Mion, his wife, had met on the American Soviet walk in Russia. Hmm. And... I felt instead of bringing in La Posada as a major uh, aspect of Fred and Mary, that there was a whole play there. Yeah. So I decided to barely touch that. And it took about 10 years, <laughs> but I got back to writing that second play. So they are related. Now, when you mentioned when, when Fred Harvey passed, and then it was after that that La Posada was opened. What years yes. are we talking about? Uh, La Posada opened in 1929 or 1930, right okay. when the stock market crashed. Gotcha. So here you've got this beautiful new hotel, and yet the country is in difficulty. Yeah. 
So in this early, very early stages of the 1900s, in the, mm-hmm. in the early portion of, this, of the century, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Coulter, as a renowned architect, mm-hmm. how, how unique was that for a female architect to be uh, cre- involved in such major works? Extremely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what set her aside? What, what set her above others and drew you to her what well first off the fact that she was a female architect Mm -hmm. in 1905 um but also i guess her perfectionism and her desire to create a building that was right for a certain setting when the buildings at the grand canyon first opened uh, El Tovar was one of the first buildings, and mm-hmm. it was designed after a European concept of a fine hotel. Well, when Mary Jane Coulter came in and saw the setting, she de- her first design was for Hopi House. She thought, I'm in the land of the Native Americans, mm-hmm. uh, right near Hopi, and why not create a building, which was to be the gift shop, that looks like a Hopi Pueblo. Yeah. And so everything she did, she designed most of the buildings at the Grand Canyon. Name them. She did them. Now, I, I know virtually nothing about architecture. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, my, my connection to architecture is Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch. He was an architect. <laughs> and H.L. Sanchez. Harvey Sanchez is a, 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 oh. the father of a friend of mine growing up. Great. And they were dear families of when I saw from homes to banks to office buildings that Harvey designed, I saw Harvey in them. It was just this guy in, in the Bay Area that, that I knew. Oh, okay, that yeah. Harvey. Yeah, he was, a, he was a, an architect that I knew personally, mm-hmm. but you could see his style. Sure. The other one I know of is Frank Lloyd Wright because mm-hmm. that's yeah, a name that, that the general public yeah, does. Yeah. And you could look at a Frank Lloyd Wright building or somebody who's paying honor to his design and you can see his design in there exactly how unique is it for mary coulter to have a different style for pretty much every building she did because you're naming different buildings that fit the aesthetics of where they are right but on the outside from an untrained eye you're looking and they look like they could have been designed by four different people was that unique to 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 say Mm. here's where the building will be this is the style I want it to be in. Because in in my perception, most architects are kind of building their style, putting their style other places. And yeah. I think that's really neat, especially when you yeah. take a look at the Grand Canyon. Right. If, you know, a, a modernistic building there would really detract from the beauty right. of what you're looking at. Right. And, and there are some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here she designed and had built buildings that blend into and mm-hmm. actually enhance the beauty that you're right. looking at, especially that Hopi house. Well, Mary Jane Coulter was a storyteller. And I, I'm just saying that now. Mm-hmm. Um, she created a history, quote unquote history, for every one of her buildings. So I think, first off, she was probably extremely creative and had to keep creating yeah. something different. Um, and yes, she started with the location. Um, when she designed La Posada, she wrote an entire history for 
what this building like, was. Like a backstory? Yeah, like an back actor would do a backstory? So that story, you can read that at La Posada, which, by the way, if you haven't been there, you've got to go. It's, yeah. So she decided that it was a hacienda, and she wrote this backstory for it, and her story was that when the stock market crashed, the owners, which were the De Los Pajaros, lost their money and had to turn their hacienda into a hotel. So it all fits. Nice. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So oftentimes when I, and and again, as a a pen to paper writer for some fiction, mostly nonfiction Uh through journalism, I always like to see the backstory when I listen to music I often have this is you know pre pre music yeah. videos I would listen as a kid you know young kid put on headphones and listen to music and I would kind of make these stories up what I thought mm-hmm. and then I was always disappointed when I heard the actual oh, backstory sure. of something so this yeah. it seems like she went really deep into creating this backstory mm-hmm. and really pulling out some interesting stuff fiction fact whatever it happens to be a mixture of both well that's fascinating i think because fred harvey was an innovator um she had the opportunity to work not for him but for his son who learned from him and so i think she had the freedom to do something spectacular because that's what he was all about too but i'm thinking about um oh gosh sorry i've just lost it (laughs) But something about um, one of my other plays. Ah, yes. Um, so when I wrote my play, Medea's Ghost, mm-hmm. which was produced in Scottsdale, I was working with it for about five years and it kept not working. Yeah. One of my two main characters just, I didn't like her. Nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody else liked her either. She was kind of sippy, what is it, soppy sentimental? Yeah. One morning, I woke up in bed, and I knew a new character to replace her, and I knew her whole history. And I sat there in bed and wrote the whole history of this other character, put, put, pulled a woman named Peg out of the play, put Teresa into the play, <laughs> and after that, it all worked. It all started... Mm-hmm moving together yeah. interesting yeah very nice so let's get back to la Posada. it's coming at the elks theater october 6th they're yes. going to run for consecutive weekends it runs the 6th and 7th that's a friday night and saturday night of october and then it runs the next saturday for a matinee nice. we decided to just do three performances we'd rather have three full audiences than gotcha. five yeah. not as full very nice. So, very excited. Who else is involved with this? Your director, have you worked with her before uh, in the past? I have. In fact, she directed Fred and Mary. And that is? Kate Hawks. I, I, I got it here somewhere. Yeah. I'm, my, I'm at Kate Hawks. What, what, how did you two come in contact? Oh, gosh. Um, probably Gail Mangum heard of Kate. She had moved here. She's Australian. Hmm. She had moved here, though, from, I believe it was Portland, Oregon. She was living down in Cortis Junction, and she was looking for creative things. She's incredibly creative. Nice. And she was looking for creative things to do, and somehow I think it was Gail. Might have been Andrew Johnson Smith. Now, was she a director previous? Yes. Or Okay. And she taught theater uh, in Portland 
for several years, and she's also a playwright herself. Nice. And re- reconnecting with her for for this upcoming play. Well, and the full, we've the, been, yeah, the we've full been, name again. Uh, Kate Hawks. No, I'm sorry, of the play. Uh, La Posada. My, La Posada. Yes, okay. just La Posada. Um, although on Facebook it's La Posada, the stage, the stage play, play. Just to distinguish it yeah. from raising Still money for La Posada itself. Gotcha. Um, so, yes, Kate directed Fred and Mary. I'd had a different director for all the readings, but uh, Ellen... Uh, oh, gosh. Anyway, Ellen... Uh, cannot think of it right now. Bailey? Um, who was a director and a teacher at Pasadena Playhouse. She had directed all the readings. We did a lot gotcha. of readings. and um, But she was getting old, and she couldn't make the trip yeah. over here. So who else is involved? What what cast have you already well, got set we up? Have, we have uh, cast... We have three main characters, and um, we have worked with them before. They're all coming from out of state. Oh, okay. Uh, ben Gorman was in... He's playing Alan Affelt. He played Fred Harvey's son-in-law in Fred and Mary. Dino Palazzi is coming from Seattle, I think. Uh, he <laughs> From played, elsewhere. He, yes, he played one of Fred Harvey's sons in Fred and Mary. And then, um, oh goodness, uh, Carla, I'm trying to remember her, her last name. Um, Carla played with Kate quite a bit in Sedona. Nice. And uh, she is playing Tina Mion. And Tina is the artist? She's the artist. How does that art link in? There was some very unique art styles that I was seeing. What, how, what, very, talk a little bit about that has, connection. She has three different styles. Uh, she, Tina worked for the Smithsonian Magazine and all kinds of other things in sort of paying work for artists and when they bought La Posada when she and Alan bought and moved Mm -hmm. into La Posada uh, she had these huge empty walls so she was able to expand the size of her paintings and some of them are just enormous and uh, we tell all of this in the play for for the general public listening and and folks that are interested, La Posada in Win, Winslow, what what's the structure of it now? How how do folks go to visit it? I mean, is it just open to the public? Is it a museum? Is oh, it a hotel? Yes. What's the? It's a hotel. Okay. And um, it has been restored using Mary Jane Coulter's original drawings and such. Um, Tina not only displays and paints her work there but she was involved with renovating the hotel as well. And so she's chosen the colors of the walls and a lot of the artwork, including the stained glass uh, windows and everything. So she's been kind of the artist. Gotcha. And Alan has been the businessman. And then Dan Lutzig is the third person who worked with them in renovating it. Without giving too much away, Mm -hmm. because we want people to go on October 6th to the Elks Theater, um, the setting of the play, the time frame, and then the social aspects of it. You've got some... Some interesting connections. With again, without giving too much away, yeah. what can you uh, what can you give our listeners a little synopsis of? The play goes into the history of these people, 
not so much Dan, but Tina and mm-hmm. Alan, where did they come from? How did they become the people that they are? So this isn't giving too much away. The first scene, or well, there's a prologue, but the first scene is them at in Winslow looking at this derelict hotel. Yeah. And then what we see during the play is the hotel itself, which is really a character in the play, coming back to life. But while that's happening, we go back into Tina's childhood and Alan's, we'll call it youth, and what he was doing in the 1980s. Gotcha. And there's some political aspects there. There are political aspects. And some social awakening kind of things for really you're not not just obviously looking to entertain and to educate which is a good chunk of it Mm -hmm. but also to get people to think about what was happening 40 years ago Mm -hmm. what we're seeing happening now exactly exactly so we won't get too much into that right mickeyshelton.com go in there there's some great links in there Mm -hmm. and some background story on there now especially now 2023 coming out of three years of covid Mm -hmm. that's still Mm -hmm. clicking at our heels Mm -hmm. in some aspects the um live entertainment Mm -hmm. even the theater aspect of Mm -hmm. going to see a movie in a theater all of Mm -hmm. that was put on hold for quite some time we saw the uh the resurgence of and the and the real push for streaming services because people were at home and a lot of us got used to that exactly why is it important for you mickey why is it important not just to get out and experience art and Mm -hmm. entertainment Mm -hmm. with a crowd Mm -hmm. but even more so live entertainment not not just a movie theater why is it important for people to see live performers on stage delivering their lines what what will the audience what are the benefits for an audience to see that as opposed to watching a movie on their phone on their tablet or even on a big screen at home It's a hard question for me to answer because I think sort of, well, of course, (laughs) you know, but um, I think being in in amongst other people at a live audience, you're experiencing something together. And whatever your politics are, you're feeling the energy of the people around you. Also, the actors have the have the joy of responding to a live audience yeah if the audience is there with them their performances are better yeah you know and that's one reason we've decided to go with just three performances because there's a response back and forth with the audience in fact in this play uh, we break the fourth wall, oh. so we do have sometimes the, the actors responding and talking to the audience um, I think, especially with AI coming into our world, <laughs> um, the idea that this for sure is real people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that those are not holograms yeah. up there, those are real people performing. So I think that's especially important right now. Um, so you're right, people me included you know i was very careful doing during covid and we got used to streaming things and watching right now we're watching um whatever it is uh (laughs) yeah the west wing 
because I'd gotcha. never seen it before. So we're watching that, and that's fine. But there's a sadness that happens among people if they're not out with others. Yeah, one of the one of the things, especially I, I involved in local and and regional comedy, live comedy, when you watch a, a stand-up for for instance yeah. by yourself, mm-hmm. uh, especially I'm, I've been a fan of stand-up since you know little kid watching you know Mike Douglas show and Merv Griffin and Johnny uh, Carson uh-huh. things and but to watch live and feel and feed off the other laughter exactly. is a whole different experience than watching or even listening to an album you know an yeah. old comedy stand-up album or something I have a nice stack at home but when you're listening to those at home or watching especially at home it could be the funniest bit or the most uh emotionally wrenching story yeah, listening yeah. to say the moth or something yeah. of that nature and when you're alone it's like oh yeah i like that or oh yeah i, I remember that yeah but when you're in a group and you feed off of the mm-hmm. other reactions mm-hmm. that's a huge aspect of it now i have a 13 year old son at home my son mm-hmm. anthony he knows he does not know life before the internet and when he hears things like you know and and oh, uh-huh. You know, he, when he hears that, you no, know, there weren't always cell phones. He, he he has a hard time believing that. You mean you didn't have a cell phone when you were a kid? No, we had a dial on the phone, on the yeah, wall. Right. The uh, ability to pause a movie to go get a snack or go <laughs> use the restroom or if yep. the phone rings. Yep. He, the first, he didn't go to a theater just because, you know, just by I think he was five or six the mm-hmm. first time he went to a theater. And he turned and looked at me. He goes, hey, Pop, come deposit. I got to go to the bathroom. I said, no, we're going to have to go out, yeah, yeah. and you're going to miss a little bit. Right. What? Yeah. He, it, it took him a while to wrap his head around that. And I like taking him to live music, mm-hmm. live shows. He's mm-hmm. seen a couple of plays, or even the movie theater, mm-hmm. as opposed to watching it at home. Because, okay, once the lights go out, once that person yeah. takes that mic on stage... Mm-hmm. It's not like the car where we could pause if you have something to say. Mm-hmm. It means your attention is right there for 40 minutes, mm-hmm. 90 minutes, mm-hmm. whatever, however long mm-hmm. this performance mm-hmm. is. And you have to train your brain do. to be attentive because we are not going to stop and converse about yeah. whatever popped into your mind. Mm-hmm. I want you to block that out. Yeah. I want you to block all that those things bouncing around between your ears so you can concentrate on this musician, this speaker, these performers, or whatever it happens to be. And I didn't realize how lapsed I had gotten mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, and I've checked it a couple times just to see the time and look at my notes, mm-hmm. but how attached we are to these little things we keep in our pockets, yeah. these cell phones, where I don't want to talk to half the people that text me on any given moment, mm-hmm. but I'm or any given day. But it still doesn't stop me from looking at it every three minutes. Oh, sure. <laughs> we, I can't tell you how many times I've been driving in the car, and I have the radio on to NPR or something, yeah. and I feel like I missed something and I want to go back, and I realize, oh no, you're in a car. It's a radio. <laughs> you can't do that. So yeah, even I have, I am in that place too. We've got all gotten so so the the need to keep specifically live performance mm-hmm. but just group public performances whether that be films or, or stage plays or mm-hmm. musical presentations 
the the need to do that and make sure those stay alive and we're very fortunate here in Prescott very lively music scene oh, yes. writers scene mm-hmm. reading groups and of course live performance in in, in stage plays with PCA and and and, and yeah. uh, the Elks uh, and for to have an avenue for like yourself people like yourselves artists like yourselves to be able to come into really, in my opinion, one of the premier theaters in the area. Absolutely. And say, this is this is what I've created. I need a stage to present it, and you right. have the ability to do that. Right. Is huge. Many mm-hmm. areas don't have that. They might mm-hmm. have a community center that holds 40 people and has no stage or sound mm-hmm. or lighting. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's great that that is open to them, but mm-hmm. here in specifically in Prescott, we have this beautiful Elks Theater. We have Susie's Pro, mm-hmm. uh, Center for the Arts. Mm-hmm. Beautiful theaters, both mm-hmm. of them. Yep. We have the new one in Prescott Valley. We have a couple of smaller venues, and then we have some restaurants and other smaller venues that open their doors up and have small stages and and things. But all of those come with the the need to fund them they have they they have they have cost involved especially a live stage play it's not like you just need a mic and a pa system and somebody's going to talk or they're going to play a guitar this is sets this is costumes this is promotion for that so again it all costs money where can folks go because it is important for right. all of us, whether it's $5, $10, or more, right. I'm going to guess you don't have a limit um, on the the max. There's not a maximum somebody can no, donate? No, it would be, <laughs> for instance, we believe in paying actors. Yes. We believe in paying anybody who works on it, stage Paying manager. an artist? Yes, You're I know. You're going to get kicked out of the... It's a strange thing. <laughs> um, if we earn more money than we need, we will pay our actors and our stage manager a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so, but we're not worried about that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I didn't mention before, if people go to my website, mickingshelton.com, and go to the Here's What's New, on that page, we have a link to what we can offer to our big donors. Gotcha. So, um, we would love to have three donations of $5,000 each. And if people go there, you can't believe the things that we can give you. Uh, things that Barry Barb has donated, things that Alan Affelt has donated, such as a, a two-night stay for two people at La Posada. Oh, nice. Along with two dinners and two lunches. So you can experience so the play absolutely firsthand. Absolutely be in it. And then we have other gifts for 4000 2000 1500 and people will be named in the program, of Very course. Nice. So, um, and they'll be gathering with the actors and such. So there's all kinds of things we can offer. And and for those of you who that might be a little out of your range, every little bit helps. Absolutely. Uh, And again, it's to not just support this play, Mm -hmm. but to let the venues, the patrons, the audience know, oh, there's a need for this type of live performance. And so to if keep you, the theater open. Exactly. So if you succeed, mm-hmm. that means somebody who's writing, scribbling notes now mm-hmm. with an idea on their notebook or yeah. maybe typing on their laptop over at the coffee shop, right. they go, oh, I can get this idea 
to the public. Right. There is a avenue. There's an avenue to do this. Right. It's not just a dream. Right. It's a it's a dream that can that can come to and fruition. And that's so important. Yeah. You know, to encourage other writers. And one of the one of the pages, one of the tabs on your website, mm-hmm. uh, in connection with your blog and. I'm, I may be getting it wrong, but what I'm reading now mm-hmm. type of thing. You yes. Have, so you, you're you going through and talking about the other artists that you're discovering. Oh, yeah. Some of them are amazing. And so get, there's some great lists on there, some great uh, uh, mm-hmm. feedback from you, Mickey, mm-hmm. on other artists out there, the mm-hmm. things that are piquing your interest, mm-hmm. that are driving your creativity. Mm-hmm. So that's another great avenue to discover new writers and new performers. I like that. Yeah, one of the, um, I guess it's in their uh, reason for being, I forget what you call that kind of thing there. <laughs> anyway, uh, on the Elks uh, purpose for being there, one of the things that they desire to do is live theater. Unfortunately, they don't have a lot of it. They have yeah. a, a lot of groups that come from out of town. Mm-hmm. They do show movies, which is great. Um, they have uh, a lot of um, tribute bands. Yeah. But they actually want to do more theater. So if other people are there listening, again, if you can just raise the money, um, they are looking they're looking for live theater. One of the things I'm going to drop a little uh, commercial in right here, and I'll also list it in the in the show notes because it's one of the sponsorships, and mm-hmm. I think it'd be something you might be interested mm. in. And uh, we're, we, uh, something I'm working with with uh, a couple of folks at the Elks, mm-hmm. and uh, mm. and our first show will be in October as well. I think mm-hmm. the week after your stage mm-hmm. play up in the Crystal Ballroom uh-huh. upstairs is a new project, and it's called Stories That Matter. And it is uh, in conjunction with the Elks, a few of us individuals, and then the AZ Wordsmith uh, that do a monthly show at the Elks currently. It's a, mm-hmm. a writer's workshop and a reading night. Mm-hmm. But the stories that matter, it's going to be a, I believe we've decided on quarterly show. Mm-hmm. And it's basically loosely modeled after the moth. Uh, the, are you familiar with the moth? I'm not. It's yeah. a storyteller. It's basically true stories told uh-huh. in front of a, of a live audience. Okay. And we are currently looking for storytellers. We're taking a theme, and the first one is life changes. And uh-huh. that could either mean changes in your life, things that have changed your life, however you interpret mm-hmm. those two words, life changes. Mm-hmm. And we're soliciting for storytellers, mm-hmm. uh, stories that matter, A-Z, uh, at gmail.com, I believe, is our is our email. Anyway, the Elks Facebook page has a link, and I'll have a link in the show notes here. But we're looking for people to take a subject matter. Mm-hmm. We'll have a new new subject matter mm-hmm. each show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have some writers that will work with you on developing the story. They're like 10-minute stories told in front of a live audience. And it's going to be a very interesting evening. Uh, again, to find those people with interesting, because we all have stories. Sure. We all have some, right. whether or not we're prepared to tell them in front of an audience or whether we can flesh them out in a, in a story format. But we have a group of folks that are working with our storytellers. And again, this will be a quarterly show, Stories That Matter at the Elks Lovely. Theater. Uh, and we really want to hear from our local community here. Mm-hmm. We want to hear your backstory. We want to hear mm-hmm. what brought you here. We mm-hmm. want to hear about major life-changing events to small 
experiences that you've had. Mm -hmm. The key to it is they got to be true. True mm -hmm. stories told mm -hmm. in front of a live audience. That's my commercial for Wonderful. stories that matter. Yeah, great. Anything else you want to hit? Well, I just want to uh, go with that. Kate Hawks, who is directing uh -huh. this play, has done a program like that with the vets. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, so she has developed a program where the veterans work with a writer and um, then their stories are put, I believe, uh, then they, they have actors and then the actors perform oh, the story beautiful. that the veterans wrote. So that, that is fantastic. dovetails with exactly with what you're doing. That is fantastic. So you may want to talk to Kate too. I, get I some will. I'll reach out. That's her. great. Yeah. Uh, let's do it again. Plug where folks can find you, when the play is, and how folks can not only find out more about the play, but more importantly, how they can help you fund this to put it on. Well, the best way to fund us is to go to GoFundMe.com and search for La Posada, the stage play. You can donate through that, uh, with Visa, mm -hmm. through that group. Uh, they take very little for, um, for their share of the money. Um, however, if that feels daunting, you can write a check uh, to The Artist's Path. It's a 501c3. So whatever they donate so you can go direct. goes directly to a tax, tax write-off uh, for the arts. Um, they can go to my website, which is mickeyshelton.com. Uh, go to the Here's What's New page. Uh, there's contact information for me on my website if they want to write a check. Uh, I don't know. Do you want me to give my address so they can mail it to me? Why don't we put it in the, we'll put it in okay. the show notes, so I'll that get that on good. there. Yeah, yeah. Because some people do want to write a check instead of using Visa, and then, of course, um, no percentage comes out of Perfect. their check. It goes directly to the artist path. That's fantastic. October 6th is the date of the play for the first showing, but it's got to be funded, so get on that website. Right. Figure out a way. Uh, La Posada, the stage play on Facebook. We'll have links to that now. Again, one of the, the Barry, one of the biggest supporters of not just the art scene, but the community in general. Mm -hmm. He has multiple restaurants in the area. We happen to be sitting at Torme in Prescott, 802 Valley Street in Prescott, right near Fair Street, near the county building, um, where, uh, close to where Fair and Miller Valley intersect. Torme Prescott at gmail.com. Give them a call, 928-778-7123. Thanks for letting us take over your patio. It's beautiful out here. Before we cut, before we go, this is a, you've been here before, I have not. Oh, it's wonderful. What are some of the things on the menu? Uh, well, it's mainly, it's a lot of pasta, but there is, uh, and it's all exceptional. They have a, oh, goodness, what is it? Um, the salads look incredible here. Yeah, I'm looking at that are. seared the tuna. The salads are amazing. Um, I'm trying to Fig think of the name for prosciutto salad. It. That sounds great. Uh, An anapasta, anyway. Uh, anapasta al gratin. I've had that. It's enough for two people. <laughs> um, wonderful wine served chilled. Um, and it's just gorgeous out. The, the, the dining room I walked through coming in, mm -hmm. it's beautiful, intimate dining room. Mm -hmm. We happen to be sitting out on the patio mm -hmm. right now. 
And Mickey, thank you so much for sitting down. We're going to enjoy some lunch. I've been staring at this yeah. bread they brought out a little oh, bit ago. It looks that, fantastic. That is wonderful. And thank you for the interview. What's your name? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Is he rich like me? Has he take us any time to show you what you need to live? Tell it to me slowly. Tell you why I really want to know. It's the time of the season for love. Any time, any time.